0: Welcome, fellow shut ins.
1: <laughs> we hope this isn't the most exciting part of your day, but um, sorry, it is, it is for us. So,
0: <laughs> the main event. <laughs> yeah. I haven't been out of the house today yet.
2: Not no, even the I'm looking,
0: I'm looking forward to mine, I'm panning it into my routine, the scheduled walk. Well, there's a big
2: field at the back of my house, so I can go crazy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like Theresa May. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. Three fields of wheat. No, it's just full of
0: nettles and dock leaves. That TV behind you is pretty smart, too. It is. Yeah. All right. So, uh, we are at two o'clock. Should we, should we kick it off? I think so. Let's do it. Good stuff. All right. Um, thank you, everyone, for, for registering for this. Usually, when we do these uh, webinars, ones that we plan for months in advance, we get like three hundred, four hundred people. Uh, this one, which we announced less than twenty-four hours ago, we've had over a thousand people um, wanting to to watch it. And the, um, the, the the Zoom thing only only goes up to five hundred people watching it. So. I can see we're counting up to the 500 now, 452, 455. So if you're one of the people who's come in at 501 onwards, you're not going to see this live, but we're going to send this recording out as soon as we can after we've finished doing it, along with a little FAQ sheet as well. So by all means, make as many notes as you wish, um, but we'll send you out an FAQ sheet. So Dave. Hello. Um so firstly,
1: I don't know how many of you have used Zoom before, but there's a button on the top right where you can select either speaker view or gallery view. I'm not sure if it makes much of a difference, but personally using Zoom before, um, I found gallery view to be the most useful. Um, so that way you can look at all of our lovely faces, even when we're not talking. Um, unfortunately, I can see the other two guys at the moment. Um, which I thought was one of the main benefits of being out of the office. But, uh, yeah, at times like these, it, 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 it's, uh, you know, I'm reminded of what they, what they look like and the terrible people they are.
0: Um, what? <laughs> so, was <laughs> um, a Dave? Also, just please note, there's 533 people on it at the moment, so I don't know what's happened to that limit. Anyway. Um, um, so, just to um,
1: set out really the parameters of this webinar, Um, The purpose of it is to provide information. Um, It shouldn't be treated as legal advice or a substitute for specific legal advice. Um, We've had so many questions, um, dozens and dozens um, in over the last few hours. Um, With the best will in the world, it's not going to be possible to answer all specific questions on specific circumstances um, in this webinar. We've got half an hour allocated Will be somewhere either side of that Um, but as I say it's not gonna be possible to answer absolutely every specific question now a lot of the questions were were, were the same or or similar Um, and what we will try and do is provide information um, and clarity where we can Um, that won't always be possible for us to provide full answers but as I say where we can provide all the information um, and clarity um, that is possible to do Um, if you need advice Specific, specific advice on your specific business and specific circumstances, um, then we're more than happy to advise. Robinson and Ralph are ideally um, set up to work from home. We've all got laptops. We access our systems on the cloud. Um, so we've been able to um, work really hard supporting clients over the past few days. So if you're a client, you've got specific queries that are outstanding um, following this webinar, then do feel free. Um, to get in touch with us about your specific situation. If you're not a client and you've got other lawyers, um, then um, feel free to use them or feel free to use us. But if they're giving you everything you need, then why are you on this webinar? Um, So to use us. Um, If you don't have other lawyers um, and you'd like advice, then again, we can set up a file uh, and we can provide that support Um, so that's parameters of the webinar section over and we're going to pass over to sam to start off he's going to kick off the first set of questions um not kick off in a violent manner of course although um you do never know with with mr higgins um but uh, yeah
2: over to you sam thanks Dave. afternoon everybody um so let's jump straight in uh the first question we're going to be dealing with today um is what does furlough mean now we've seen this term uh, floated about a bit over the last few uh, days and uh, the most recent hours. So, furlough is actually an American term and has no prime meaning in uh, in the realm of UK employment law. Now, in the in the US, it means to furlough means to allow or force someone to be absent temporarily from work. Now, when we apply that to the scenario that's going on um, in the UK at the moment, furloughing would mean asking an individual to stop working um, due to this coronavirus pandemic. But that individual in being asked to stop working has not been made redundant. So it's a way to stop somebody from, from, from working, from carrying out their tasks uh, without making them redundant. So that's what, uh, that's what furloughing means. So we'll jump straight in with the next question. Um, What is the coronavirus jobs retention scheme? Now, this is the new scheme that was announced by the Chancellor um, on Friday, this Friday just gone. Now, um, because we're a big fan of abbreviations... uh, I thought that'd get a laugh. Um, (laughs) We're going to refer to the the job retention scheme as the CJRS. So if you you hear me uh, use those letters, that's what we're talking about. So under the CJRS, employers can contact HMRC for a grant to cover 80% of the wage costs of furloughed workers. And that will be up to a total of (sighs) £2,500 per month. Now, also under this scheme, employers um, are able to top up the remaining 20% of these um, wage costs, but it's important to note that there is no obligation for them to do so. Now, the scheme, as laid out at the moment, is backdated to the 1st of March um, of this year. And the indications are initially that it will be open for three months now, the Chancellor did say in his statement on the twentieth of uh, the twentieth of March so last Friday, he did say that there would be no limit on the funding available for the scheme, but obviously, as time moves on um, we 'll have to wait for any further announcements on that to see whether he puts any puts any limit on it now, The important thing about the the CGRS is that the Government have said that any changes to the status of an employee, so if they were to be designated as a furlough worker, any such change does remain subject to existing employment law um, obligations and depending on uh, the specific employment contracts um, that individuals may have, this change in status may be subject to negotiation. So, um, The important thing to pick upon there is if your contracts of employment do not have a layoff clause contained within them then it's important or you should look to introduce one and you would do that by varying the terms of the contract now if you need any specific advice on how to do that or what the best ways to go about doing that then um, obviously please get in touch with us we'd be more than happy to help um and just to stress the point, without any such contractual clause, there is the possibility and it is likely um, that you might face an unlawful deduction of wages claim. Or in the alternative, if the employee actually resigns as an attempt to make them a furlough worker, they could actually make a claim for constructive dismissal. So there's just a, there are just two points to to bear in mind. So now we move on to uh, another question, which we've uh, this has been quite a popular one is this. um, What steps must employers take to put employees on furlough leave? So there are we've we've determined there are five stages to this. I'm just going to take them in order. The first stage is obviously to decide which employees are to be designated as furlough workers. The second stage is to give notice of those employees that will be designated as furlough workers. Now, preferably you should look to do this in writing and you'll be pleased to know that Robinson Ralph has a template letter that you can use for this specific purpose. So if anybody has not already been in touch and they would like a copy, then all you've got to do is email info at robinsonralph.com and we will send you the template. Can I just stop on that point,
0: Sam? The, the letter that we've sent out is very basic. You would be expected to top and tail it yourselves with nice language to make employees feel valued and to explain the situation in more detail. All we've done is change the contractual term. We haven't put in that soft language because I think if there's a precedent floating around with soft language. It, it struck us as being very artificial. And actually the language that, that we would use may be very different to the soft language that, any one of you various organizations would use so it is very basic letter and you do need to put some work into yourselves to top and tail it with the right message depending on your business thank you simon so uh the third
2: stage is more of a it's more of a question or a consideration that you might want to um, take into account it's whether the representatives of employees or indeed the trade unions need to be consulted about you um, putting employees on furlough leave now. For example, if you were to vary the contracts of 20 or more employees to reduce the the level of pay to the 80%, um, which is available under the scheme, and if you had the intention to uh, dismiss any employees who did not consent um, to this change, then under the um, you know section 188 of T-U-L-R-C-A, I'm going to use the abbreviation because we'll be here all day with the legislation. So Section 118, those employees would be classed as dismissed by reason of redundancy. So there would be in that situation, there would be a duty to inform and consult appropriately either the employee representatives or or the trade unions. Now, In terms of the specific set of circumstances that are going on at the moment, we don't believe that it will be necessary to go down this route in these circumstances. But it is just something that you will need to bear in mind, depending on um, the amount of employees that uh, you may have or that you're intending to put on furlough leave. So just bear that in mind. So the fourth stage. Is to exercise your contractual right to layoff. Now, obviously, as we mentioned, um, you must have that uh, you must have that contractual right within the within the contract already. Um, and if necessary, if you don't have that uh, that contract, then you can vary the contracts to introduce that uh, that term. Now, employees in this situation, they're they're likely to agree to furlough leave on. Um, 80 percent pay but it's important to remember that the agreement of the employee is not necessary to unilaterally vary the contract but again if you want assistance for how to do that then please feel free to get in touch and we will we will do our best to assist you and then the final point on uh, what steps you need to take point number five is that you will need to provide information to HMRC about the furloughed employees and this will be done through a new online portal now um, at the moment we have no details about this portal and we are expecting further guidance from HMRC as to the kind of information that will be required about any furloughed employees so our advice to you is to um, you know watch this space and uh, you know check the check for regular updates but at the moment the online portal um the last time i checked it still hasn't been still hasn't been set up yet but when that further af- information comes we will do our best to um
0: to provide it to you
2: so sorry guys, to, I, I think uh, s-
0: uh, some people might be asking the question about and uh, tell me I might, I might be being overly cautious here but this notion of, of agreement is not necessary to, to unilaterally you know, vary the contract. I think, do we need to explain the risks there to people of doing that? Because it's not something we would ordinarily advise in, in everyday situation other than coronavirus, would we? I think it's probably worth touching on on
1: that. Um, so, I mean, if I, I suppose Sam says it's not necessary, but if you can obtain the agreement of employees, Um, through uh, some sort of consultation process, um, then all the better. If not, um, or if the business circumstances are uh, such that um, you haven't got time to engage in a consultation process um, and you simply unilaterally vary the contract, the employees may resign um, and claim constructive unfair dismissal. But that really is the, um, uh, the only realistic option available to an employee in those circumstances. Um, They either put up or or they shut up. Um, If they decide to stay in employment, then um, the contract uh, stands as varied. If they decide to resign and claim constructive unfair dismissal, um, then they will do that. But they will do that um, on no pay with an obligation to try and find another job, which might be a daunting prospect in the current environment. Uh, And with the prospect of an employment tribunal hearing um, already in the current system, uh, possibly 12 months approximately off um, and with the delays that are ongoing um, at the moment. Who knows who knows what more, more, what sort of impact
0: that's going to have on further delays? Yeah, I think you're you're still looking at treating people reasonably, employees reasonably and, and all right, there's a chance. That people might resign. We think it's unlikely. That is speculation, of course, based on the current job market. So, really, it's an appetite for how much risk you want to take as a business. Also, there's the potential um, bad uh, publicity there. You'll have seen recently how a certain hotel chain has, has absolutely been ripped to pieces in the press for how they treated their employees. But if you are doing what you need to do, as Sam says, because you don't have time to consult and you just want to save as many jobs as possible. We think, again, there's speculation here. You're not going to get that many people resigning, and if people do resign and bring constructive dismissal claims, um, we think we've got a pretty good defence. There, all other things being equal, um, that is again just general observation. That is not advice based on any experience because we have none. It's not advice we would usually give to you. you actually vary the contract. It's only because of these specific circumstances. Is that fair, lads? That's yep. fair. Sorry,
2: Sam. No, that's all right. Thanks, guys. Um, So uh, next question. What is the process for accessing funds under the CGRS Now, um, again, it's to reiterate the the previous point I made. The government has said that um, money will be claimed via HMRC, but that they are setting up an online portal to enable any companies looking to apply under that scheme to do so at the moment that portal doesn't exist um, but we're keeping an eye open for any further information on that so the next question how should we select the employees to be furloughed now this was quite a uh, quite another common question that uh, some of you had now the CGRS it involves furloughing designated workers who would otherwise have been laid off during this coronavirus crisis. Now, um, the overarching point in answering this question is that there is no set procedure that needs to be followed when designating um, employees as furloughed. But what it is important to remember is that there should be no discriminatory or otherwise prescribed reason being used to designate an employee as furloughed. So, providing you're not doing anything of that nature, there is nothing that we can either point you towards or anything um, that we can set out which should be followed, because there is no there is no such set procedure at the moment. And then finally, from me, uh, before I hand over to Dave, uh, there's been quite a lot of interest in what actually it is covered by the cap of two thousand pound per month now at the moment it's not clear as to whether this uh, this reimbursement if you can call it that is intended to cover anything other than an employee's basic salary but interestingly the official guidance on this scheme uses the words all employment costs now, what that would or could suggest is that pensions and any other additional benefits might be included in that amount. But again, as with quite a few features of this scheme, we are waiting for further information and guidance. And if we're in a position to provide it to you, then we will we will do so. But other than that, we're, uh, we're just waiting. So uh that's my that's my slot done so i'm going to hand over to the bearded dave silitor to take <laughs> you further forward thank um, you sam um
1: okay so a few more questions to to, to work through um uh, we've had quite a lot of questions about what to do about individuals with irregular earnings um and should overtime and commission be included um the short answer to that at the moment um is that there is no Uh, There's no guidance on on what that is. Um, In other employment law areas, pay is usually defined by an average over a a reference period. So we would expect that to apply here as well. I think if employers are laying people off, furloughing them um, and paying them now uh, based on 80 percent or otherwise, um, there is a risk that you will either underpay or overpay. Um, based on what you'll ultimately be able to reclaim from HMRC. That's certainly the case at the moment. Um, However, um, what I would suggest is that um, you've got to make a decision, and that's either going to be a more employee-friendly decision or a more business-friendly decision, and then um, ultimately uh, the consequences of that will um, come out in the wash uh, as and when we find out more details about the scheme. We've had other questions about whether or not money will need to be paid back to the government and will this be via tax at a later date? Um, there's currently no information from the government or, or HMRC about any repayments. Um, personally, I think that's um, very unlikely. Very unlikely a business will be required to repay uh, the sums, um, certainly directly or. Though no doubt as a society, um, there will be consequences for years to come, um, The reason I say that um, is that uh, by setting this scheme out and then saying that employers are going to have to um, repay money in the future, uh, that would really discourage um, employers from using the scheme uh, and would possibly increase the number of redundancies that would be made. Now, we've also had queries around whether it's possible to make a claim under the CJRS if a furloughed worker is still working. Um, this one is very straightforward. Um, if the employee is still doing any work for the company that furloughed them, um, then they won't be furloughed and they won't be entitled to any money under the scheme. Now, you might also be wondering about whether or not you might face constructive unfair dismissal claims simply for exercising this. Now, we've talked about unilaterally uh, varying the contract and we're seeking to, um agree changes and and perhaps not achieving that with with all employees and there's the possibility of constructive unfair dismissal claims there Um, if you've got an express contractual contractual right to lay off um, then uh, as long as this right isn't exercised in any sort of uh, malicious or discriminatory manner um, then uh, you're very unlikely to face any successful constructive dismissal claims For um, uh, alleging a breach of trust and confidence
0: sorry sorry just one one question for me what about the situation i've had a couple of questions like this that um they want to bring somebody back furlough them for one week and then working for another week and then furloughing for one week can we do that um
1: no reason why not it would seem Um, and yes some other questions we've had around um, making sure that furlough leave is uh, operated sort of fairly amongst the employees Um, so uh, there there seems to be no good reason why once the schemes details are fully explained um, employers won't be able to do that Um, and with layoff again as long as the contractual right is there in the contract um, the employer should be able to lay people off and thereby allowing them access to the furlough scheme on a week by week or, or, or month by month basis. Um, in terms of once people are laid off, um, case law establishes that there's no um, implied limit on the length of time that an employer can lay them off for. Um, other questions we've had are around whether or not somebody can take um, another job whilst they're, they're furloughed. Um, again, it might be possible. Um, once the details of the scheme are released, but um, an employee must be available for work, usually with their ordinary employer for them to be eligible um, for layoff. So if they've already got another job, clearly whether they are, once they are furloughed, then um, uh, to an extent, um, they're probably free to, to, to do what they want, but they will remain an employee. You wouldn't ordinarily expect an employee and whether they're on leave or not to go off working for another employer. Um, I suspect the government might say that if you're furloughed and you're receiving pay, um, then you shouldn't um, be working elsewhere. Uh, and the reason for that is that that would keep jobs available for those who otherwise wouldn't be receiving um, any pay. Um, what about employees who are sick or self-isolating? Well, as I say, to be laid off, an employee must ordinarily be available for work so if they're off sick before the the proposed period of furlough leave they wouldn't be available for work and therefore wouldn't um, ordinarily be eligible for layoff stroke furloughing Um, that will presumably change at some point and they will no longer be off sick at which point they will be available for work and eligible to be laid off stroke furloughed Um, whilst off sick they'll either be entitled to ssp or contractual sick pay but SSP are certainly going to be less favourable to um, furlough pay. Um, if an employee becomes sick on furlough leave, um, I, I don't expect it to be much of an issue because I suspect that employee is simply going to um, not tell their employer that they're off sick and remain on furlough leave stroke pay. Um, and it would only become an issue if they're called back into the workplace. Um, if people are self isolating, <laughs> technically the same thing would apply. They're self isolating, so they're off work. Um, either on SSP or without pay. Um, uh, I would expect when the details of the scheme are announced, um, people eligible for furlough leave to include those who are currently self-isolating. But technically, uh, and it's important to bear in mind that the government announcement said that the scheme is going to be subject to existing employment law. Um, if you are not available for work, which you wouldn't be if you're self-isolating, then you wouldn't be um, eligible or um, layoff entitlements. If employees are on maternity leave or other types of um, uh, family-related leave, um, then there will be no change to their status. Um, We have some questions around whether it will be necessary to pay redundancy payments. Um, In short, no, um, because employees will remain employees and this is uh, a scheme designed to avoid employers making redundancies however if an employer exercises an express right to lay off an employee in certain circumstances that employee will become entitled to claim a statutory redundancy payment Um, the same will apply to short time working Um, so uh, the the difference is layoff is where you have no work short time working is where there's a reduction in work and you receive less than 50% of your pay Now, given this cap, some higher earners will um, be receiving less than 50% of their pay. So, um, even though they um, won't be technically uh, laid off because they won't be, uh, because they will be getting some pay, um, they could still potentially claim a redundancy payment subject to complying with the appropriate conditions. Um, The main one being they've got to be laid off four weeks in a row or six weeks in any 13 week um, period. And then there's a very um, quite complex procedure to follow. Uh, we think this is probably unlikely, the same reasons as it's unlikely that employees are going to resign and claim constructive unfair dismissal. Uh, the prospect of resigning, um, having no job to go to for what's likely to be a relatively limited statutory redundancy payment, um, is uh, probably not that attractive compared to remaining um, on uh, furlough leave and having a significant portion of your pay paid for. Um,
0: uh, at, at, as yet, an unlimited period of time, I just think on that point though dave it's worth pointing out that what, what we've heard this morning, the three of us with clients, is that um at least two are thinking of where they've got higher earners who given the two and a half grand cap, will be below the fifty percent they're going to pay up to the they're going to pay the difference so the employee gets up to fifty percent, so there is no risk of short time working and therefore potential redundancy pay, so that 's another option available to you to. Which brings us on to one of the the
1: other questions, which um, is about whether or not you're obliged to make up the difference between the 80% and the 20%. Short answer is no. You can if you want, but absolutely no uh, obligation um, to do so. So that's all from me. Over to Simon for the last portion.
0: Thank you. Okay, so um, the questions I'm going to deal with, again, the pretty common ones. Uh, Can an employee uh, be forced by their employer to take furlough leave? Well, again, that comes down to the contractual position. If there's a contractual clause exists which permits layoff or short time working, then yes, the employer can insist on furlough leave without consent. And in terms of how you have that in your contract or bring that into your contract, Sam mentioned that early on. But again, for specific advice on how to do that, um, please do get in touch uh, is it possible for an employee to ask their employer that they be p- placed on furlough leave? Well, yes, they, they can ask for anything they want, the employees, but there's no obligation on you as an employer to agree to do this. Most people will be making the decision on who goes on furlough leave on no, no, nothing else other than what is best for the business. And one thing I would pause and say is there will be unscrupulous people who will abuse this scheme and try and furlough people for whom work is available. I would expect, basing this on the naming and shaming that we've got for a non-payment of national minimum wage, it's become quite a, an embarrassment for a firm to do it. I'm guessing there'll be prosecutions. I'm guessing there be prosecutions and there would be a, a, a naming and shaming campaign if people do abuse it. So please do not abuse the, the um, furlough leave. Only use it in the right circumstances. Yeah, you don't want to be
1: the employer who's named and shamed in the newspaper for, you know, suddenly... Um, making a whole load of people who, who weren't employees employees just so that you can access this this government scheme, even though that might be with altruistic uh, intentions. Um, uh, there are consequences in terms of defrauding the revenue and very bad PR.
0: Absolutely. And, and somebody if somebody's working and they're working from home, don't try and enter them onto the scheme because they won't be applicable because they can work. So don't try and use this as a way to save costs. This isn't that. This is about trying to save jobs. So be very careful in terms of what you do. And I'm guessing when the portal is up, there'll be warnings um, along those lines to make sure that, that um, unscrupulous behaviour is rightly kept to hopefully zero, but at least the bare minimum. Is that fair enough? lads? I'm not being too... Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's good. Okay. If employees are placed in furlough, can there be a rotation of leave between members of staff? Uh, well, it's, it's not clear uh, as to whether this be permitted, but uh, having discussed it, we can see no reason... Um, why not because business needs will change so um, it does appear sensible to be allowed um, to do that but we can't say definitively that it is allowed I think a lot of these questions that we're attempting to answer today will become much clearer whenever the portal is open and hopefully um, there'll be some instructions in there that that will make it a lot a lot easier for people so if you furlough workers can you take them back on if needed absolutely you can they'll remain employees and you can um, end the period of layoff slash furlough, um, short time working, whenever needed to get the people back in the business. And I'm guessing most workers would be very uh, pleased when you do. If instead of furlough leave, an, employee wants to make, an employer wants to make somebody redundant, will this be deemed unfair? Well, if an employer wants to undertake a redundancy exercise, it, it can do so. But the question is going to come back to whether the redundancy exercise has been fair, as Sam said at the beginning. It was clear in the government guidance that all regular employment law um, applies outside this this uh, coronavirus bubble. The CJRS, um, which Sam helpfully uh, gave the full name for earlier on, but we're big fans of abbreviation. It's designed, however, to keep people in employment and to discourage redundancies. But also, there's a financial disincentive of making an employee redundant because you've got to pay the redundancy and the notice. So we're tending to find a lot of businesses. Are shying away from redundancy, certainly in the short term, if they can help it, because actually that's going to make this, their financial situation a lot less stable. So the question of whether they can bring a redundancy claim is yes. The question is whether the redundancy would be fair would depend on the outcome of the consultation and all of that. The usual selection criteria. There may be some discrimination um, claims thrown in there as well. Um, but if the employee would rather be furloughed, then given the point of furlough is to keep people in business, then yes, a dismissal may well be unfair. But again, there's a heavy speculation. About. If you've already made staff redundant, what do you do? Well, the government announced um, talking about bringing staff back into the workforce. So that can't be just people that you've laid off. That, that must be people who've already been dismissed, it seems to us. So it would seem possible to re-employ staff who you've made redundant for this basis and then further them i don't think it goes as far to say you can re-employ people who you've sacked for other reasons um, it's people who you've made redundant for this will all businesses regardless of size be able to further their employees yes there is no indication that it's limited either in terms of too many employees or you have to have a certain number of employees so it's limited from five to fifty. no it seems to be all um employers can do this irrespective of the number of employees I suspect there there would be a risk there that if you limited it to, say, 250 employees or something, employers are going to start sacking people to bring them below the limit so they can access it. Maybe one of the considerations. But the broader consideration is this is to try and keep the economy moving and trying to keep people in work. So limiting it would seem slightly artificial. Yeah, the message
1: has very much been there will be no limit on this. They put an initial time limit on it and they put a cap on it in respect of individual employees. But I think the clear message has been size of employer, um, wage bill uh, won't make a difference to whether or not you're eligible for the
0: scheme. Thanks, Dave. Um, one question: What should we do about employees who are still working and object to other employees receiving 80% of pay and furlough leave? Well, um, if the, I mean, obviously we've seen the Prime Minister's announcement last night about um, uh, working from home, and obviously bear that in mind. But let's talk. Let's say assume that the employee is working within that guidance. It's not for them. They can object all they want. Just because they object doesn't mean they've got a right to insist on going on furlough leave. Um, they might want to raise a grievance at this point. You would hope that common sense in and everyone understands the seriousness of the situation. You're trying to do your best for your employees. But it may well be you've got a grievance to deal with. And um, if you need any help dealing with those, by all means, uh, do let us know. What is the position in regard to individuals such as agency staff and zero-hour workers under the CJRS? No explicit confirmation. Um, it's expected that it'll be applicable to all employees, but that is just an expectation shared amongst not just the three of us, but other employment lawyers who've been commenting on this issue. Presumably, when the portal um, comes into existence, that issue will be clarified. Um, will annual leave continue to accrue for furloughed workers? Uh, yes, in broad terms, because um, they're not on annual leave themselves and they've not been dismissed. So, if they're uh, furloughed, they remain employed. Because uh, they've not been made redundant, national minimum wage. And um, we've been asked about that applying. We say uh, we don't think it does apply because people aren't going to be working. Although it is a prescribed minimum hourly rate, which is legally paid, it's legally paid to employees for work they do. They won't be doing any, so we don't believe it applies. Will employees who have moved back home to other countries still be eligible? Well, if they've moved back home, um I, I suppose the view would be: how are they still available? For work there's no location on uh, no restriction on the location during such a period of furlough but um if they're if they're in America say um it's going to be difficult to see unless they can do um work remotely and it'd be difficult to see how they are available for work but I suppose that is possible if someone's available to do work um remotely is there anything on that or if I captured that you do On the, um, yeah, well, I I,
1: I suppose once somebody is being furloughed, um, there's no indication there'll be any restriction on them going back to their home country. And you would expect an employer to give an employee um, notice, you know, that would enable them to get back from their home country um, in order to work once the required period of furlough leave is over. I think the key there is probably, um, as far as is possible, continued communication, between employer and employee um, and just um, treating employees um, fairly and reasonably.
0: Thanks, Dave. So the last question that we're going to deal with is <coughs> – oh, God, I hope that's not a bad sign. What <laughs> happens to the staff that started after the 20th of February or started in February but added on payroll in March? Will they still be entitled to the 80%? Will the scheme's going to be backdated to the 1st of March 2020 and appears to be available for employees – with no restriction at start date, but we are awaiting further guidance on that. When they were technically added to payroll would probably be a non-issue. So um, that is um, all the questions we've got um, uh, time for. Let me just move this over here. Um, I kind of just wanted to say this um, to echo what Dave said. Thank you to everyone who's taken the time to send in questions. Typically, we get four or five. I have said initially when I responded that we would answer every question that we didn't answer today, the best will in the world, we simply can't do that because if we answer all these questions for free, um, frankly, we'll go uh, bankrupt. Um, so we try and give as much um, free stuff out there and as much help and, and guidance as possible, falling short of legal advice, which obviously we wouldn't want to do unless we're actually instructed. But if you do need legal advice, please do get in touch we're more than happy to open a file and answer any questions that you've got that haven't been covered in this webinar so um, I know I can look at the Q a down here we've got 89 questions um, alone and that doesn't include about 150 we got over the course of the 24 hours we hope we've answered most of them if not then uh, as I say we don't want to be um we don't want to be unreasonable but I hope you understand our position that we we can do it all for. So, if um, you want to instruct us, please do get in touch. Either Simon.Robinson at robinsonralph.com, David Sillito, Sillitoe at robinsonralph.com, or Samuel Higgins at robinsonralph.com. There's a dot between our first and second names. So, so is there anything else you two would like to say?
2: No, other uh, than that, thank you very much to everybody for listening
0: yeah thank you very
1: much everybody we hope you found it useful um, and look forward to speaking to uh,
0: many of you in the days and weeks to come all right best of luck everybody Stacey, thank you so much for tuning in we'll send you out a copy of this as along with the um faq sheets um hope to hear from um more of you over the next coming weeks and months bye then bye bye, bye.